What is going on, everybody? My name is David, and this is Free From Missing Out, a podcast about living in a connected world. Hope you all had a great week since you last listened to our episode, which was about, oh yeah, happiness. Hope you all enjoyed that. I found it interesting to make it and kind of dissect if social media is actually making us all unhappy. So I hope you all enjoyed it and got a little something out of it. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. If this is your first episode, quick rundown is that I talk about issues that pertain to our generation and also the connected world in general. And if you're not new to the podcast, welcome back. This is episode 10. I'll call it a milestone because we actually hit double digits now. So this is officially episode 10. I think this episode is actually going to be a little shorter. I want to kind of see if shorter episodes work a bit better. So I think some of these issues don't necessarily need a full 30 minutes. And by skipping a lot of maybe the historical side of it or some other research, I can get these episodes down maybe closer to 15 to 20 minutes, which might make it a bit more digestible. I might switch back to the 30-minute format, but we'll see how this goes. So in terms of housekeeping, if you are new or if you are not new and haven't gone to Apple Podcasts, subscribed, and left us a review, please go and do that right now. I'll wait. And if you are on Facebook, make sure you go to at free from missing out and drop a like and leave a comment on the episode. I pretty much post for every single episode. So feel free to comment there with that. I don't think there's anything else. Not much goes on. So we will get right into that intro music. So last week we talked about happiness, how it's affected by social media, how it's affected by the connected world in general, and if we have any chance at all with living in the connected world to be happy. Now, while that is interesting, I also think a lot of our unhappiness is coming from politics. So this episode, even though we already touched on politics back in episode two? I think it was episode two, episode two or three. We talked about politics already, but I wanted to take this episode and talk about the political divide. This divide between the parties is increasing and that people are increasingly not seeing eye to eye on almost any issue. And as we move into 2020, another election year, I think this is going to become even worse. So I wanted to take an episode, really dig down into what, if this is real, first of all, if it matters and then why it matters to us as well. So I'm sure for most of you, the this talk of divide or divisiveness is nothing new. Um, our past presidents have mentioned it, the current one mentions it. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the political environment in the US is not very pretty right now. In fact, politicians are yelling at us from seemingly all directions, just pointing fingers at each other. And it just seems like we're sitting in the middle here of this giant food fight that's going on in our government. If you recall back to the political episode, you remember that we talked through a couple of facts that from Pew, yeah, it was Pew, 
we talked through a couple of facts about how America is becoming increasingly divisive. In fact, it was the most it's the most divisive that it's been in recent history in terms of how the political parties view each other. Um, I guess in in what sentiment they have toward each other. The most negative sentiment ever now is being projected by Democrats onto Republicans and Republicans onto Democrats. In fact, if you watch most of the debates now, as we get into Democratic debates and then also you know Republican rallies, and as we get into 2020 and watch those debates, you're seeing less and less substance with the debates about people justifying policy or having intelligent conversations in the House or Senate. And it's mostly about centering on this idea that a politician's idea is so great and those who disagree with it are doing so for ulterior motives. And that's not a healthy environment to have. I don't, we don't need politicians to go up there and tell us that an idea is good. And then whenever someone tries to argue with it or have a debate about it, it suddenly turns into a food fight where suddenly both sides are just hurling arguments at each other and insults and insinuating that the only reason that that particular politician believes an idea is because they're stupid. It doesn't make any of us better, and it doesn't make our political system work any better, because it ends up with, if you look a lot of the votes now, no one seems to be aligned on anything. Very few bipartisan bills are passing, and it is because of this fact that we are being conditioned to believe that the other side is evil. Now, that's obviously what's happening in front of our eyes. We can watch these votes and these bills be brought up in these debates. But I also want to look into a couple of the facts around the actual divide itself, how people see each other in terms of conservatives and liberals and vice versa. So looking into this, there was this incredibly interesting study called the Perception Gap, and it was done by this group called More in Common. What it did was measure the difference between actual views and perceived views when looking at Democrats and Republicans. And what it mean, what I mean by this is that they took in a, a viewpoint, for example, so they might say percent of Democrats that want open borders, for an example. And they would ask Republicans to guess what percentage of that group believes that particular viewpoint. So Republicans might come in and say, oh, 50% believe in open borders. And they would compare that to the actual surveyed result, and that is the perception gap. And I'm going to dive into a couple statistics around this, but it, this is one of the most concrete ways to actually look at how the sides are perceiving each other. And I think this, at least for me, and I'll leave the judgment up to you as well, but it, it starts showing why we have such this political divide in the country, and it comes back to how we are perceiving the other side's intentions and viewpoints. So starting off, we'll take it to the extremes. So if you look at the extremes of each party, so well, the progressive activists on the left and then devote, devoted conservatives on the right, they held an average of a 30% perception gap on both sides, I think within a couple points of each other, around 30%, meaning that they over underestimated the other side by 30 percentage points. And just for clarification, I think for that example, exactly, because that was one of the questions, I believe it was 30%, Let me, so 33% actually, where Republicans were asked, how many Democrats do you think disagree with open borders? And Republicans said about 40%. And the actual result is that over 70% of Democrats actually agree disagree with the concept of open borders. 
And this spanned across multiple questions for over, I believe they sampled about 2,500 people. And while I said it was 30% for the extreme left and the extreme right, when you compare that to the, I call it moderates, and also the political disengaged, those people who don't have active interest in politics, and frankly, I don't blame some of those people, they were more around 10%. So much more accurate in actually determining what is real about both sides. So they were more accurately able to identify beliefs on both sides than the extreme left and the extreme right. So the part that I was focused on when looking at this is the technology side of this, how social media is impacting this and how the media is impacting it as well. The perception gap thought about this too, and they actually embedded questions that asked about media consumption and time spent on social media as well. And what they found is that those who were engaged with news media on a more frequent basis, they saw their perception gap double compared to those who were not checking the news um, frequently at all. And that's pretty surprising because what it shows, while it might not be concrete because this is one point of evidence, it shows that these institutions and these outlets that are supposed to be providing us information about what's going on are actually leading to that those who are watching more media are more unable to perceive the actual viewpoints of those they disagree with. And along with that, those who share a political viewpoint or political articles on social media, they were nearly 10% or they had a nearly 10% higher perception gap than those who did not share political content on social media. Um, 18 versus 28%. And that's scary because that means that, as I just said, these very sources of information, social media, news media as well, they're supposed to make us more informed, but they're actually causing us to be more unable to tell our bias when looking at the other side of the aisle. And this is clear that there is some bias when it comes to people telling you the news and that no matter how scholarly or research-based something might seem, a lot of it is filtered in some sense in that those who are watching a particular news cycle might be more inclined to have negative beliefs about the other side. And on a technology level, it also makes sense. It makes sense that as we read articles, um, say you're reading a lot of conservative articles or uh, digesting a lot of conservative news, all these websites and social media apps are designed to push more content to you that they think you will read. So the more of something you read and the more of uh, ideology you engage in, the more it's going to push that content to you. So it becomes this echo chamber, not necessarily the echo chamber in the literal sense of the word, but more of a feedback loop where the more you digest of certain content, the more content of that type you're going to see. And along with that, it's natural that we like to have our viewpoints confirmed. We like to see something that does confirm our idea because we don't like being proved wrong. This is the whole idea behind cognitive dissonance, that we don't like having our certain beliefs challenged, that it's much easier for us to go and confirm something we believe and justify it rather than having to come to terms with the fact that we might be wrong. So it does make sense in this political and technological environment that as we're seeing more content pushed our way in things that we might want to agree with, 
but might not be true, that it's causing this divide. Because as we're seeing more and more of the content we like coming through, it's also becoming easier and easier to filter out the content and views we don't like. So it, taking the highest level example, even the president of the United States has is going through a lawsuit right now, which I believe might have been settled. I'm not sure. But he was sued because he was blocking people on Twitter who disagreed with him and who were posting and responding to a lot of his tweets in ways that he didn't like. And it's scary that it is that simple, that if you see a view you don't like or someone posting an article or images or anything that you don't agree with, it's one button away to block it and remove it from your feed. And that's a powerful weapon because as we are forced to come to terms with the fact that we might be wrong, we're also able to filter out anything that might prove us wrong. It's also easier to spread information than ever. Anyone can go online and start spreading information. And this is what you saw a lot of in 2016 and even a lot of now where you see these memes and these pictures and these articles that turn out to be fake, but are shared and spread by millions and millions of people. Because anyone now can show information that they think might be right and not have to do the research behind it. And not to take it back to the old days and say how simple it was, but when people weren't able to share things as easily on social media, there was this general assumption that the research had been done because only a certain people were able to share information on news networks and radio shows and through newspapers, that there was a degree of professionalism that was associated with it. And that is slowly disappearing now as anyone and everyone can publish whatever they want online. political divide is real. I don't think that was the main question I wanted to answer with this. I mainly wanted people to think about it. So Pew and all these research companies have shown that the political divide is worse than ever, and this perception gap shows how a lot of it can be attributed just to how we perceive each other, and we perceive this malicious intent because we don't understand other people's viewpoints. But does it matter? I hope that's not a question you ask, but I will answer it in that, yes, in every way, this matters. So according to Pew, and this was back in 2014, so it's gotten worse since then, but 27% of Democrats and 36% of Republicans thought the other party was a, quote, threat to the nation's well-being. And that was the way the question was phrased. And that is dangerous rhetoric, and that's a theme we're seeing more and more. So earlier this year, political scientists Liliana Mason and Nathan Calmo Calmo, presented a paper at the American Political Science Association's annual meeting. So what this data showed and what they pulled this data from a couple national surveys, they found that 24% of Republicans and 17% of Democrats believe that it is occasionally acceptable to send threatening messages to public officials. And now going off the Pew survey... It's not that hard to bridge that gap that if some people do feel that the other side is actually a threat to the nation, then why wouldn't they think it's justified to send threatening emails? And while not everyone is crazy enough to act on it, and luckily that is the case, you do see this start to boil over. This pot that is increasingly getting hotter and hotter occasionally does have parts that start to boil over. 
from Republicans being shot at a congressional baseball game to Democrats being mailed pipe bombs. There are people that can associate these extreme rhetoric views with action. And can you blame that outcome when you look at everything together, when you look at people being labeled as not human or evil? Is it that far of a stretch to justify that some people might actually take action because of that? And that's the real danger that political divide can cause, that it's not just seeing things you don't like on Facebook or having to talk with that stubborn uncle at Thanksgiving. It is tangible and has real results outside of what we might see on a day-to-day basis. So what? I guess what's my take on this? And I don't I don't want to sound like I'm preaching to people, but this I don't believe I'm perfect. I think this is meant to drive a conversation and some introspection that could push change. That by consciously thinking about how you might perceive other people, it'll help you actually perceive them more accurately and do the research that's needed to actually understand a viewpoint rather than assigning malice to it out of instinct. So I guess the first thing that I at least think about when, how do we start solving this issue? How do we start moving towards an understanding with each other is that we all need to stop assuming that we are the smartest and most informed people and therefore we have the most accurate viewpoint. I think one of the most dangerous assumptions you can make about someone that you disagree with is that they believe what they do because they're stupid. Because what this does is allow you to not even engage in conversation or debate or listen to any of their points that they have to say. You already assume that what they're telling you is wrong and therefore it's not worth listening to. And I think personally this is what you see too much of on social media that even someone posts a question or a response to something and then there's some response that doesn't even relate to that but rather just starts insulting them or questions how could you believe that? And that's an incredibly dangerous question to ask because by asking someone how could you believe that you're implying that there's no logical way that they could have arrived at their conclusion. Because while we all might be smart people, and I think that all of us are smart people, there's always someone smarter than you who disagrees with you. That that view that you might hold near and dear to your heart and might be one of your base beliefs, there is someone who disagrees with you who is also much smarter than you. And that's where it comes about to understanding the issue at hand. And this goes back to the old, I guess, I guess it's the debate method. I'm not sure. But if you can't make someone's point for them or make someone's argument for them, you don't understand the full issue. And while this doesn't universally apply to everything, there are a couple issues out there that I think are right and wrong. It applies to almost every political viewpoint. That while you might think your view is correct, and I certainly think a lot of my views are correct, it is worth researching and understanding that other point of view. If not to change your mind, then just to prepare you for a debate. But what it might, and what I think it will lead to, is that as we start researching more of these issues, even if it's just to prepare ourselves for an argument, we will start to understand more about where people are coming from and being able to humanize a debate rather than assuming the other side is evil. And going off that evil sentiment, I think we all need to be careful about what we post online and the views that we share and the words that we use. I think it's becoming much too commonplace to use very powerful words in 
what I don't believe is an applicable con like uh, applicable context. And what my examples will be evil, not human, racist, all these very strong and charged attacks should be taken seriously when leveraged against someone. Because if you're going to claim that someone is not human or they're evil, you could have people who come across that message who link that to action. Because in the past, through wars and history, people have rightfully sought to destroy people who are evil. And by getting rid of someone's humanity because you disagree with them, you could actually cause problems and harm to that person. But I think the most important message that I at least thought of while looking through all this is that this doesn't mean we all need to be moderate. And I think that's kind of where my mind has jumped to in the past, at least, is that the issue is with the extremes, that because we have people on the far left and the far right, there will always be conflict. Therefore, everyone should be moderate. But I found that that is my own bias, that I want everyone to come to the middle. And realistically, that's not feasible. And I also don't know that's the best thing. We can exist by believing in the far left and far right ideologies. It's just a matter of being able to understand each other. Realizing that it's okay to disagree, that it's okay to have a friend who might not have the same political viewpoints as you. That is the important part, not trying to get everyone to the middle. But I hope this caused you to think a little bit, at least stop for a second and think about your viewpoints, how you perceive other people, and hopefully drive some positive change. Let me know your thoughts about this. Like I said, find us on Facebook, free from missing out. Feel free to comment, share, send me a message, whatever. I'd appreciate all the feedback. But I think that's about all I have for this episode. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. I'll catch you back here, same time, same place. This has been Free From Missing Out. My name is David. See you guys next time.